0: Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 146 of Discovered Wordsmiths. Um, today, I have DC Gomez. She is um, fairly well-published. She's got some books out there and been out there for a while, been a bestseller. So it's a different podcast than usual, uh, someone that many of you may have already heard, may have already read. So it's an exciting podcast because I like doing it a little different occasionally. Um, but if you haven't heard of her, it's a good listen. Uh, she has some great books out there. You also notice another new segment uh at the beginning i talked to kathy now i know you don't know who kathy is i actually interview her about her pop-up bookstore that she does uh and that's coming up in an upcoming episode but i'm also going to have her back on occasionally to talk about some new books upcoming books books she's read so today was the first time giving it a try let me know what you think uh if you like the book suggestions that she gives and the ones that tom gives uh you know, we that's the idea. We want you to find new books. We want you to read new books. So uh, that's all the new and exciting things happening here at Discovered Wordsmith. So let's go, Kathy, and then DC. Yeah. All right. Well, Kathy, uh, from uh, Books of Go Go, how are you doing yeah. again today? I'm good. How are you? Great. <laughs> and the episode I talked to you about your bookshop uh, isn't on yet. But I wanted to get you back on, kind of do the same thing Tom Holbrook does, and talk about uh, what's coming up or what you're noticing with books and what people are finding exciting or book recommendations or any of that type of stuff. So how are things going with your bookstore as an update, as an update before the episode?
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah. So it's going well, um, you know, with me being brand new it's, I'm still trying to figure out the algorithms and all of that. So January and February were slow. Uh, so I'm hoping for a little bit of pickup, you know, in, in March and coming to springtime. So, um, we'll see, I think it's just, you know, the after Christmas and I've heard from a lot of other small business owners that February is traditionally a very slow month. So, yeah. Thinking, and, you know. and
1: sometime in March, April, that's when all the publishers start sending out their new yes. spring stuff for summer and all that. So exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, do you have any recommendations today or what do you notice coming out that you might uh, look at? Yeah.
2: Well, um, I'm lucky enough to sometimes get to read books ahead of time before they come out, which I love doing. It's a little bit of an addiction, but too, almost too much because then I have so much reading on my plate. <laughs> right. But I'm good with that. Um, and one that I read recently that just came out is called The Lost English Girl by Julia Kelly. And it's historical fiction, World War II. And I know some people are burned out on that because there has been a lot of it. But this one was just extremely well written and so good. And I just can't even say enough about how good the book was. And it was a little bit different in that it talked about, um, the story was about this one woman who had a child and um, the parents, she lived with her parents because her husband took off to New York, whatever. And so anyhow, um, they thought that when the bombings happened, that they should send this grandchild away to like a foster situation where they lived in the country and it, they weren't expected to be bombed. So I didn't even realize that that was part of World War II and that things like that happened in England. So um, it was a new storyline for me, and it was just really, really well done and suspenseful and family saga issues the whole
1: bit so nice. that one i really yeah. loved yeah okay great cool um yeah i remember reading uh guns of the south by harry turtledove um yeah. it's about the civil war but it's what if the south got time travelers that, that brought them machine guns so oh. it totally changed things yeah but i really loved it because he explored Uh, some of the reasons for the Civil War, other than just the slavery issue, that there were other thoughts and feelings and reasons for and against it and all sorts of stuff. And I learned way more about real history through that story than I did in school. You know, in school, we learned this was the battle. These were the people. This was where it was. And, you know, but the actual, uh, and I I understand it was fiction taken from real life, but things like uh, was it Lee's home? They turned into a hospital, which became Arlington Cemetery. So I yeah. was like, I never knew that. Why didn't they ever tell right. us that? You know?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I really enjoy historical fiction. I know some people, you know, they're either burned out on certain topics or they're not as into historical fiction. However, I'm the same with you. I tend to learn so many things. There's uh, Marie Benedict. She, Um, was a lawyer turned historical fiction author. And she writes about powerful women that weren't really recognized in his, you know, in history. And we just did um, Lady Clementine for one of my book groups. And, and that was Churchill's wife. And once you read that, you realize just how much she influenced his decisions and actually pretty much made a lot of those decisions that he, you know, were presented as his because of course she was a woman and women weren't even in politics then at all. Right. So it's very interesting to me to learn all these different things.
1: Right. Like even um, though it's
2: fiction, like you said,
1: right. It, you're still learning. And, and like a uh, um, hidden figures about the women programmers oh, yes. for NASA. Yeah. That, yeah. that I was glad that came out because Uh, computer geeks we've always known that the first programmers were women you know calculate all the bombs and stuff during world war ii and what they had to do but uh you know it's not been commonly thought of or knowledgeable so yeah i love that so what else you got uh for those
2: people that might like a little romance i'm not a huge romance person but i love rom-coms you know Yeah, I grew up in the 80s. So, you know, I'm all about You've Got Mail and all of the rom-coms of the 80s and 90s. And uh, coming out beginning of April, I think it is, uh, April 4th, if I'm not mistaken, is Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. And so she writes about this woman who writes for like a Saturday night live type show and the musical guest comes on and they have an immediate attraction, but she thinks, Oh, he would never like playing Jane me and kind of just brushes him off. Well, and then it's a pandemic novel as well because then the pandemic happens and they reconnect through email to keep themselves busy. And then she decides to go off and meet him in California after he invites her to go there. And I'm not quite done with it, uh, but it's compulsive to read it, especially the emails. I uh, I felt so much like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks again, except without the dial up, you know?
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's actually called Romantic Comedy,
2: it is. It's that's hilarious
1: because you know, there's at what some point somebody's going to leave a one star review and say, Well, this didn't have enough battles or spaceships in it or something right? stupid. Yeah. It's what the title is. Figure out what it is about, yeah. folks.
3: Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I, I like rom coms, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Harlequin romance stuff that I don't get into so much, but yeah. when it's a nice, funny rom com, uh, with good characters. I, I can enjoy that. In fact, did you ever read the Sookie Stackhouse books? The vampire. No. It's uh, what True Blood TV show is based on, uh, okay. um, and they're southern kind of romance with vampires. Yeah. And I actually really loved those, um, partly yeah. because I got the audio book and the narrator is so perfect. I just oh, nice. you know ate it all up and listened to them all. So yeah, right. that's that's a that's probably the only uh, real rom com romance book I've read. With yeah. audiobook.
2: <laughs> yeah, for traditional romance, I will take suggestions on what to carry in the bookstore. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea, although I'm trying. I'm trying to reach out and read a couple of those so I know what are good to carry. But if people have suggestions, I always take them because you know everybody uh, has different reading tastes.
1: Right, right. Yeah, good so, to know. All yeah. right. What else? Anything else?
2: Um, I have not read it yet, but how to sell a haunted house by Grady Hendricks. Yes. Yeah. I have not
1: read it it either.
2: Yeah. And, um, one of my friends, Jessica, uh, she loves Grady Hendrix and she read it already. And I have another friend, Shelly, she read it and they cannot say enough about it. So I don't know a ton about it other than, um, the synopsis that I can find on the internet. So, um, it's about Louise who goes home after her parents, um, have died and she doesn't want to deal with her family home but she has to you know do what she can to uh, reconcile everything and um, and then there's a brother that's involved and whatnot but then it says but some houses don't want to be sold and their home has other plans for both of them so that house is definitely a character in this story right. so it sounds interesting but I have not read it yet
1: one of my newer favorite authors, Jeff Strand, um, okay. uh, I, I like him, found out he grew up, in, not grew up, but lived in Kent for like eight oh, years yeah. Um, and went to Ro- Kent Roosevelt, and he okay. and I were born two days apart, so oh, I was kind of like, oh, I got to yeah. find, you know. Uh, but he writes comedy horror, and he recommended Grady Hendrix to me. And I actually oh. emailed Grady Hendrix and asked him some questions, and he answered. So oh, awesome. he's a very responsive author uh, in that regards. And I've seen his books actually at uh, Last Exit Bookstore. They've gotten a few oh, of them cool. in. So he's expanding and big enough that people are reading them and turning them in. Which yes. <laughs> you know, that's fine.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I love when authors do that because it just makes you feel more connected to them,
1: you know, and that
2: they, and, and like you have said, I'd rather have my books, give my books to somebody to sell them, to get out there, you know, so that people are reading reading my work. And that ha- when um, we did Violent Conspiracy for my first book club and because I just loved that book, I tore through it. I read it almost a year ago. And um, so when I picked it, I tagged him in social media. He responded almost immediately. Nice. Saying, Thank you so much for choosing my book. And that just gave me, you know, all the more warm feelings towards him and And I was glad that we had chosen his title, which everybody really loved. Yeah.
1: What people don't realize is even authors that are picked up by Random House or Penguin and they're published, big authors... A lot of times you've got J.K. Rowling and Stephen King and Dean Koontz and all those up here. And then literally it's like tens of thousands of dollars difference to what the other guys make. And so those little things of reviews and telling other people about the book is so, uh, you know, great. They're so grateful to have that. And it helps them so much. So, you know, shout out everybody. If you read a book, go give the author some reviews. It'll be so helpful.
2: I agree. I agree. Yep.
1: All right. Anything else?
2: All right. Um, Hello, Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I have not read this yet. Oprah just picked it as her next book club title. So, of course, probably everybody's going to read it now. <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah,
2: it does sound... Uh, very interesting, and one that I'm looking forward to. Um, William Waters grew up in a house silenced by tragedy where his parents could hardly bear to look at him or love him. When his skill on the basketball court earns him a scholarship to college far away from his childhood home, he meets Julia, a spirited young woman who surprises him, and um, with her appreciation of his quiet steadiness, Julia comes... with Julia comes her family. She is inseparable from three younger sisters, Sylvie, the dreamer, Cecilia, the family artist, and Emmeline, who patiently takes care of all of them. Then in the darkness from William's past surfaces, jeopardizing not only Julia's carefully orchestrated plans for their future, but the sisters' unshakable loyalty to one another. The result is a catastrophic family rift that changes their lives for generations. So it sounds like it'll be more of a family saga type
1: yeah, story. Nice. Yeah, nice. And I will say, Oprah is a good example of somebody who has a lot of influence, a lot of power, very yes. you know, very rich and very well-known and a, you know, a brand all her own. Right. But she does quite a few things to help a lot of people out in small ways. And her book club's one. It doesn't yeah. take a lot for her to recommend a book. But it can, it's made a huge difference in a few authors' lives, you know, so shout out for that. I love that.
2: Yep. And then another one, are you familiar with Jeanette Walls? Mm -hmm. She wrote um, Glass Castle.
1: Oh, okay. I know that.
2: And she wrote for The Plain Dealer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Nice. And um, so Glass Castle was really started me in on memoirs. Now I love to read or listen to celebrity memoirs in particular, but um, she wrote that years ago. And then there was another memoir she wrote that involved her grandmother, but now she's actually writing novels. And so she has a new one coming out in April or end of March. It might be March 28th called Hang the Moon. And it's, Set back, uh, maybe more turn of the century, early 1900s, and it's about Sally Kincaid, who is the daughter of the biggest man in town, and he's actually called the Duke because everybody listens to him, and he owns several rental properties, so they all have to he has to send someone around to collect the rent and and all of that. Well, he, her mother is no longer in the picture, and. He is remarried and they have a son together and she takes him out to teach him how to drive and like a go-kart type of thing. And they accidentally have this little accident and the son gets a little bit scratched, not seriously injured at all. Well, the new wife says, she's got to go. Our son is the most important thing. So he sends her to live with her aunt on her mother's side and says, don't worry when things blow over, I'll be back to get you. Nine years go by and she's finally brought back to the house because that wife passes away. So he needs someone to help raise his son who's now preteen age. And so it's her story about coming back into this big Southern family and finding her role in all of that. And then he actually passes away. So then she has to deal with someone else taking control of the family and it's just a lot of tragedy and a lot of figuring things out. But it really is, um, I re- I'm really enjoying it. It's keeping me nice. very interested in, in hearing all about this. So nice. that's another one I think people will like. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is that all your recommendations? You got yeah. any more? Yeah. That's about it for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's springtime, so there's a lot of new books coming out for us to look yeah. forward to. Uh, I think you had some really good variety of uh, recommendations there. So I'll make sure and put links uh, to the books on uh, Books of Go-Go, uh, each oh, one good. of these, yes. and people should check you out.
2: Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes and jumping on. I know you worked and then you stopped at the gym and rushed home. And so uh, it's been a busy day for you. Time to relax it's and read.
2: always a busy day, but that's okay. I would rather that than have nothing to do. I exactly. I'm so yeah.
1: It's a completely yeah. different type of busy when it's not uh, centered around kids, when it's your own right. busy. Yeah. So. Right. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Kathy. I'll talk to you later. All
2: right. That sounds good.
1: Thank you. Bye. All right, great. So this morning, uh, I have, as a guest, a wonderful wall of books and their owner, DC Gomez. Uh, so DC, good morning. How are you? Good morning, darling. I'm wonderful. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And it's not actually morning for you, is it? No, it's still very morning. I'm still actually in morning? East Texas. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. I, I had you in the wrong spot in my head. So, uh well, why don't we do that? Tell everybody a little bit about you, some things you like to do besides writing, uh, where you live, and whatever.
3: I'm a USA Today bestselling author. I'm an award-winning author, which is kind of fun. I'm also a podcaster, so I am so excited to be here and just connecting because it's hard to be on the other side of the microphone. I was like, oh, what am I doing? This doesn't happen often. I am in East Texas. So for everybody who's wondering, the weather yesterday was, you know, 32. Today's supposed to be 80. So living the Texas dream, what can I say? It sounds like Ohio. (laughs) Thank you. It is this weather that goes up and down. You're going, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Well, we'll take it from there. So I do multiple genres, which is kind of interesting for most people because I go from urban fantasy to lit to straight children's books and devotional. So I do a little bit of everything. And one of the things that I enjoy to do, I'm a reader obviously in the background. So I'm a huge avid reader, but I also enjoy when I have free time. So today, this Sunday, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go food shopping so I can cook. So that's kind of, nice. just of the fun things that I get to do.
1: Nice. Okay. Now I, I got to jump on something real quick that you brought okay. up. You write in multiple, multiple genres and just about everybody's advice is don't do that. Stick with one genre, do different pen names, but you have done it. And not only that, you've been on a USA bestseller list. So- Let's see, before we even talk about everything else, why did you choose to do that? And do you find all the different genres about as successful is there one you're you're more focused on?
3: One of the things that I can be honest with myself and the world is I probably don't have the bandwidth to handle multiple pen names. It's just kind of the nature of what it is. I just don't. I will look to be able to, I think I was managing multiple Facebook pages. And became very real that I was like, I couldn't do this for multiple pen names. Like I could not handle the switching back and forth. So it became very obvious to me that I needed to make a decision. So why do people want you to have only one pen name? Let's be honest, it's easier to market. Your readers can stay, you know, if you pick urban fantasy, this is what you're going to do. And then everybody can jump on the urban fantasy bandwagon. It's kind of easy. The difference comes in when you have multiple genres is you stop branding to a, a genre, but you do to a brand. So what people can expect from DC, and this is what I tell them, is you're going to get tons of quirky characters. If you don't like quirky characters, I am not your girl because this is what you're going to get. You're going to get tons of action. You're going to get some shenanigans, adventures. And one of the things you're probably going to get is fade to Black. So you're not going to get a lot of exclusive sex from me. You're not going to get tons of horrible languages, You know, not because I don't use them, but because that's just not the brand. Since I do write children's books, the topics tend to vary. So you will know what a Charlie book is, my children's series, compared to a Cat Lady book. So it kind of goes from there. But the brand is very much, it's going to be humor, it's going to be full of action, it's going to have quirky characters, and somewhere underneath is going to have the message. So that's kind of what I focus on, just because switching from brand genre to genre just became something. I couldn't handle it. I have friends that have multiple, and I'm like, oh you're my hero? I
1: can't. <laughs> uh, well, I-, I love that. And I think I'm going to have to like, ruminate on that for a while myself because I have when I first started especially I pushed back and basically oh you're a newbie so nobody wants to listen to you but I was like but that's not how I read I said I've got I, I read the uh Sookie Stackhouse which are kind of the romance paranormal stuff which uh-huh. guys usually don't read I love them but I turned around then and went and ra- read Dean Kuntz and uh-huh. I read uh I read you know, young adult books when they are interesting so I, I have I have Asimov. I got done reading Foundation and went right into uh, something completely different. So I've always been like, but that's how I read. That's it. So it doesn't make sense that I should only write, you know, and people are like, oh, no, 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 no. write just one genre. That's all you do. I'm like, but other people do it. Well, yeah, but that's Stephen King and he's his own brand. I think that's really it. You said characters. So people like your writing and your characters, mm-hmm. but the genre is not as important. They, they like what the way you write. And I think sometimes there are lots of readers. There are lots of authors that do that across multiple genres. So I, I think what it, every time I get some advice, I always think, well, that's good advice, but it may not be always true. You know, stay true to yourself. If it doesn't feel right, then stay true to what feels right for you. And that seems to have guided me better than just following advice.
3: <laughs> That's probably the best way is be authentic to you and what feels right. Because you can canvas everybody and everybody's going to give you a million advice. If it doesn't make sense to you, it's not going to work. You're not going to make it work. It's not going to feel right. You're going to be fighting yourself a lot. Right. One of the things that you have to be aware of is if you're going to go brand and mixing your genres, it's going to take longer. So whatever it is, be very aware of what success means to you. Because achieving it, it will take a lot longer because yes. people are going to have to get used to you switching gears and they're going to have to get used to it. But readers will follow.
1: And, and I think along with that, though, because I write middle grade, and I think mm-hmm. if there's any demographic of readers, middle grade don't care about genre so much as they do what they like. And they read, the ones that read, read tons. And yes, like if they read Percy Jackson and love Jackson, Rorden comes out with something else. they like, oh, Rick Rorden has a book. And It's the author and the brand at that point. And I think maybe that's it. A lot of the advice you get is adult uh, writing, adult books, and and that. I don't think that applies most of the time in the middle grade realm. And I think that's something I have to always keep in mind (laughs) for any middle grade writers and readers. Well,
3: I think for writers as a whole, one of the things we have to be very much aware is that it is easier to become successful if you stick to a very niche. That's just the nature of what it is. People right. can find you. You can target that entire demographic faster. If that's not how you write, you're just making yourself hate what you do. And this is supposed to be fun and enjoyable. So if it doesn't fit, I will say don't do it. Find yeah. something that resonates with you. and makes you feel happy inside.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I've come to terms with if I was on my deathbed, I think I'd regret more not writing all the things I want to write than I would, oh, I should have written one genre. I You know, so what works for me. So before we go off too far in a tangent, because we could probably go on for this forever, we want to focus on your book a little bit. Uh, it is The new one is Plague Unleashed. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and tell us about, you know, touch on uh, your other books a bit, because now I'm interested in all the genres you got.
3: <laughs> I think I need to probably do some clarifications. We're definitely promoting Plague because it has a new branding. It has a new cover the whole nine years. So Plague is book two. And the Intern Diaries. So the Intern Diaries is five novels, three novellas, and it's based on the Four Horsemen of so the Apocalypse. And Plague is probably one of my favorite ones because it's just straight wild. There's zombies running around in Texarkana. So for anybody who's been in East Texas, we're like itty bitty town in the middle of nowhere, but everybody crosses us, so it's kind of fun. And you had, typical, because I wanted, this is obviously before the pandemic, so you're looking at 18 timeframe. And the question one is, what if, God forbid, pestilence had, and we're talking horsemen, of course, a plague that went loose that didn't meant to happen and is turning people into zombies, right? So this is the question that I wanted to play. Where the intern diaries is one horseman is introduced and one supernatural being at a time. So by the time you get to book five is all hell breaks loose. But with plague, it was, you know, you got ISIS, ISIS is death's new intern. And death has a rule. You can't kill people. So of all the horsemen you will find out, the only one not killing humanity is death. Imagine that. So Isis is tasked with figuring out what happened with humans. Don't kill them because if you kill them, the, their souls are lost and death is going to get mad. And while you do it, you better hurry up because 20,000 people are coming to Texarkana. She's like, no pressure whatsoever, none. So you have Isis running around town with her guardian who happens to be a 5,000-year-old talking cat, a boy genius who's going through that 11, 12 age of like, Because nobody understands them. So he's angry. You have an entire community trying to figure it out. People just keep appearing, walking around, trying to eat each other. And ISIS is trying to knock them out and put them somewhere until they can find a cure. And Pestilence does not want to help. So I said, we talk quirky. There's tons of quirk, there's tons of madness. And all these people are just running around going, What is going on? So, yes.
1: Nice. Super fun. And and you said uh, quirky characters. Which that's always intriguing to me. Uh, that's some of my favorite type of reading. Uh, when we get that, I also find it interesting. You've got the Christian-based four men of the apocalypse or four you know writers of the apocalypse, but you mix in Isis from Egypt mythology and combine a little bit there. So Isis is
3: her. She's actually a 24-year-old former army bat So and her parents did name her after the goddess of the apocalypse, after the goddess of Egyptian. So you do get a little bit of that. If you read Constantine's story, Arjun, you find out that he is from Egypt. So there is this whole mi- Egyptian mythology touch in there that you tend to be like, mm, what is going on? And I think the reality when it comes to us in our writing is we're influenced by everything. Right. you know. So sticking to one genre tends to kind of, or one theme, puts you kind of very much into a small box. When you let yourself just play with everything you know, you'd be surprised how much more fun you have. So what this story is, you know, pull it a little bit of Egyptian, pull a little bit of, you know, Roman Catholicism, since we're playing with a lot of that, you know, put Christianity in there, put all these little pieces and you tend to find humanity. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it is we're all a mixture of everything. So when you put it in a book, you're going, God, this is going to turn interesting and bad. Cause I'm also sending this in the Bible belt. So it's like, you have zombies
1: <laughs> in the Bible belt. <laughs> well, so, I, I must say now I'm a little upset with you because that, uh, to read list that I told you about that I have, there's now five more books that are getting added to that. So thank you much for adding to my time. Uh, you know, I love that. So if someone is a lot of times people are like, well, what, what's it like? Is there another book or author that you would say you're writing or your books, these books are similar to?
3: If you like urban fantasy, because this is a catch with it, you have to enjoy the madness that comes with it. It is first person, so I have to kind of give people that disclaimer. If you don't like first person books, Isis's story is going to drive you insane because it's in her head and through her eyes. So if you enjoy Jim Butcher, The Dresden Files, is what you're going to get. Or if you enjoy Kim Harrison, The Hallows, because it's straight urban fantasy, it is definitely appropriate for a young adult, just because the language, unlike Kimson and Jim doesn't have a lot of the whole sexual, you know, it's not meant to be that adult base. It does fade to black. If she ever, I don't think ISIS ever kisses anybody in this series and put it in this perspective. So you do have a series that is applicable for anybody in like high school all the way up and up, but is very much madness and, and shenanigans all through it. Like right? you, come on, you got a talking cat. How much more can you have? Who had more money than God? So Constantine is just like, ugh attitude to the core you have isis who's just trying to figure it out what did i sign up for so this is book two and it's eight months after she signed up being a desk intern and at this point in time is when she finally realizes that the horsemen are real she has no clue like for the longest time constantine's like girl please what don't you go to church <laughs> and she's like what is that supposed to mean thing like, you know that book relations the horseman's like don't girl don't you read and it is that attitude that comes with him that he, he's like, oh my God. And she's like, is this the apocalypse? He's like, oh God, no, no. Nice. So when you're, when you're introducing these things that we hear a lot about and honestly put a person in there who has no clue,
1: you just have a blast. Just go crazy. Yeah. It's so much fun. Nice. Nice. Cool. All right. So what type of feedback are you getting? Cause you said this is book two. So some mm-hmm. people have read book one. I'm assuming book two. What type of feedback are, what, what's people saying?
3: Here's the point. I thought it was amazing when I have people go and they love Constantine. I was like, he's such an angry little cat. It is one of those series that I think to some extent, like many of us, is very kind of cult following. You're either going to love it or you're going to be like, there is too much pop culture references in this book. There is too much shenanigans. So the readers, my readers truly enjoy the series. And so when we wrapped up the series, I had a lot of people like, I'm going to miss them. So we all fell into this bubble of like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? So the written world has become Reaper's world. So it's a whole universe that has every other side story kind content. One of the things that I did, you were talking about writing in genres, my urban fantasy all takes place in the same universe, primarily because I didn't want to have to develop a whole magical system for every single story. I was <laughs> like, no, <laughs> my mind cannot process that much. I was like, how about we just stick it all here? So all the urban fantasies all takes place. Not to mention, then I get to play with my characters. You know, I get to have Isis popping up somewhere. I get to have Bartholomew show up. Constantine gets rules, the universe, so he can send messages to everybody. So like my linchpin in this universe is Constantine. He's been around for 5,000 years, so he knows everyone and everyone knows him. So anytime you want to make a connection to all the books, just bring up Constantine. They're like, oh, that, oh yeah, Constantine, that cat. Mm." So it's super, super fun.
1: So uh, every time you're talking, you're telling me about this cat and all all of it, I keep picturing uh, Alice in Wonderland's Cheshire Cat with that attitude. I just kind of picture him in my head with what you're telling me. A little bit more evil. (laughs) Okay. And a lot more serious. (laughs) Got it. Okay. Well, That's good. That's good. But if if people are, you know, if they're focused on that character and that sticks with them, you couldn't ask for anything more because they, you know, they want to see what happens.
3: It's one of those things that happen by accident. So I have a reader's manic that is free. So the origins of Constantine, for anybody who's looking to see, like, what does she write? It's a free novella. You can pick it up anywhere. And I honestly asked one of my first beta readers. I was like, hey, I need to do a, a free magnet. What should I do? And he's like, you're Constantine. And I'm like, the cat? Like you, you, What? Like, we're going to talk about the cat? He's like, yes, yeah, the cat. I was like, okay, so I had to go back and sit, like seriously go back and go, in, I know you're 5,000 years old. Where are you in history? Where do I put you? So Constantine, it goes back to the very first, you know, empire in Egypt. So we're going to Memphis all the way. And then because I have this obsession with Egyptian mythology. So who do we have to introduce but Anubis? Because he's like my favorite. So you get to find out who death is. According to the series, you get to meet a very cranky, angry god. Who hates what he does, and this really bubble of fur that happens to be Constantine, because everybody's like, "Was he a prince? Was he a man?" I was like, "No, he's always been a cat. <laughs> like he's always been a cat. He just happens to have to be a cat now with a lot of money and a lot of power. So there's a difference." But Constantine has always been right. a cat. When I when I wrote it, I tell my brothers like, "This is an underdog story." He's like for about two pages. <laughs> like that was
1: about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah, and that I love that. I- you know, I haven't uh, written as much as you have, but I love discovering that when your characters like grow on their own, and suddenly you're like, "Okay, I gotta go change my outline. I gotta change the dialogue at the beginning because it doesn't fit the real character that's emerging." Uh, and that's that's one of the great Lego fun parts of writing, you know?
3: Oh, god, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, and Constantine did that. I think that story. I had a whole outline of what I wanted, and midway through, it went sideways, and I'm like, "This is not what I'm writing. Like, this is not." what is going on? And I'm sending messages to my editor. Mike, this cat hates me like this. hate, I don't know what to do. So I literally wrote this as I kept rewriting this outline because it was not working. I was like, Constantine is one way. And I thought it had some other way. And it's just like, we're just going to go with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. You know, (laughs) just go with what feels right. Go with your gut. I love that. So if you had a choice, uh, this series of books, would you rather turn it into movies or a, a TV show?
3: That's such a hard question. And I keep going back and forth. Which one would I prefer? I would love to see a series because you can go in so much depth with these characters. You can truly bring their personality to life. At the same time, a movie would be fun because there's five books. You can do a five. Bang, bang, bang. and knock it out. But a series will give you a whole bunch of depth and you can play with all of them. You can explore all of these different craziness that goes behind the scenes that normally you wouldn't have enough time to do in a movie.
1: I, I I love asking that question because things are so different than they used to be with movies and TV. You know, a lot of times the people who read the books would say, I'm not even going to bother with the movie because it's not going to be good. But that's not always true anymore. They, they're they starting to understand if you really capture the essence and uh, of the book and even get the author involved. Before it was always like, okay, we paid you, go away, we'll do whatever we want. And then it flops and they're like, well, we don't know why it did. And That's not the case anymore, but then the TV shows have evolved instead of like, oh, we have to do a TV show. That's 24 episodes from September to May. It's like, yeah, we can do eight episodes and schedule it and put it out at the ideal time for that and really delve into the characters. And really, so it's such an interesting question in today's world. 20 years ago, it would have been completely different.
3: Absolutely. Uh, It changes the way we see everything.
1: Yeah, I love it. and. Uh, it, it allows the choice of what would work best. You know, it, what would do, would it work best as a two-hour or three-hour movie now <laughs> and, and get all that action and all that? Or is it best as these characters that build up and we grow over time? You know, Stranger Things would not have been successful as a movie in the theater. It probably would have flopped big time, is my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I love the answer. I love talking about that with all the authors. Uh, do you have a website that people can go to and check out all your information? I do. You can check
3: out dcgomez-author.com. I'm not very creative with my name. So I'm like, listen, it's hard enough to find me. Let's just stick to that. So well, dcgomez-author seems to work.
1: As a uh, web guy, uh, you don't want to be creative uh, with your web name, do. your domain name. Nobody will find you and it's kind of pointless. They w- they want to be able to find you. so. Stick with as basic as you can still get, right. as long as no one else has your name. <laughs> so this is it. What are you working on for your next book?
3: Right now, I have two different books that I'm playing with, trying to decide which one is going to come first. I'm working on a trilogy. So the last book in the trilogy is getting ready to come out, which is the Order of the Assassin series. as a spin-off of the Intern Array. So one of our characters, Eric, happens to be a witch-turned-assassin now. This to figure it out trying to clean up who actually betrayed the order. So he moves to Salem. So I signed notice. I promised my mother I was going to do a book in Salem. So, lo and behold, there has to be a book in Salem. So, this is it. So, I'm trying to figure out do I join, jump into book three, deployed, and actually bring it all together? Do I go into Cat Lady? So, I don't know. I have options and I'm kind of I'm doing an exploratory year and figuring it out what's next for me. So, yes.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, uh funny you say that i seem to keep coming around to salem because i wrote a short story for my kids that involved salem witches uh, in modern day Uh, and then about a year after that i went with a group of authors to salem and we wrote a group of short stories that we released as an anthology so i got to visit all the places that i had only seen on google maps for my original (laughs) story and then i found and you may even be part of this there's a gathering of witch authors uh, coming up in Salem uh, this year and next year. They already have it planned uh-huh. for next year. It's like 55 authors and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I need to go back to Salem just to you know, meet all these authors and you know see what's up with that. So it just keeps coming back, it seems.
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's such a fun town. I recommend it. I love it. So yes,
1: it is. It's is very much. A, okay. So uh, who are some of your favorite books and authors that you like to read?
3: <laughs> that's such a hard one can't you tell i'm addicted to yeah, it. I so, thinking, I of that yeah i'm definitely in love with urban fantasy so kim harrison when it comes to urban fantasy is one of my top You talk about charlene harris i love her stuff as well but i also read a lot of middle school as well as young adults so things that i'm waiting for patiently saying kind of loosely is the last book in the um keepers of the lost city so it's a middle grade series who I'm in love with this. I'm just wanting like, let's wrap it up. Like, I, I don't have enough patience to wait. And I also, you know, love Rick and I like Rick Worden percents. Like, I love the books that he's pushing out. I yeah. love a lot of this stuff. And I'm a huge fan of a lot of my indie friends who have amazing books. So favorite books is usually one am my reading now. Because other than that, I'm like, there's so many.
1: So So what's the one book you've read two or three times in your life, gone back to? Probably The Alchemist, believe
3: it or not. This oh, okay. is probably the book that has changed the way I see it and the idea of dreams coming true. And that it's a very short book, it's over 20 years old. It still has that, you know, touches my soul every time I read it. And probably Eckhart is the. You still there with me? No?
1: Uh oh, you there?
3: I'm here. Are you there? No? Are you there? I can see you. Can you see me? Hello? Hello, can you see me? Steven, can you see me? Hello? Uh Uh-oh. Hello? No?
1: What happened? Yeah, we were froze. So sorry. Uh, you were talking about The Alchemist and how, how much you liked it. I think we caught most of that. Awesome. Uh, for that. So if not, uh, maybe when we meet sometime. I will say though, I love what you said about magic because uh, I noticed uh, we, you know, one of those things that things happen in your books that you don't think about and plan. I realized a lot of my stories are essentially showing kids there's magic in the world and there's magic all around you and and you can bring out the magic. Uh, That kind of is the overall theme of everything I've been writing without thinking about it. So uh, I love what you said about magic. That's great. In your town, do you have a favorite bookstore that you like to go to?
3: I have a very small town, which is kind of hard. So basically, you can either go to Books A Million or you can go to the library. So I tend to spend a lot of time at Books A Million, which is kind of (laughs) fun, to the point that I think the people know me by name. So (laughs) this is where I spend my time just... Even when I want to write or pick up a book, I tend to go to Books-A-Million because that's kind of what we have here.
1: What's there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we, we have a little bit of a author discussion, but before we do that, if someone came up to you on your on the street and said, Hey, I heard you wrote some books. Uh, I was looking at these new this new series you got. Why should I get your book and read it? What would you tell them?
3: Ideally, it would be comes back to, do you like to be entertained? Do you want to escape from life for a little bit of a while and join some characters that are having a blast trying to figure it out their own lives? Usually I write for people to kind of engage, entertain, and just kind of get lost in a book. That's usually the essence of why I write. So if they enjoy fantasy, you enjoy quirky characters, or you enjoy just a really fun read, pick up a book. You're never going to go wrong with the book.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And if it really doesn't click with you, put it down. Go find another one. Give it to somebody that would like it you know, pass it on. Uh, okay. So before we talk about our, uh, discussion, we're going to talk about writing as a career versus a hobby, uh, and how to choose and whether you should choose and all that. Um, where are some places that you're going to be over the next couple months? Any, any visits anywhere or any conferences?
3: I have a really packed schedule. So I'm confirming things as we go. I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be in Jackson, in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida in March. For the Facebook's convention, I'm going to be in Savannah in July, which I'm kind of exciting. We're going to do Tyler beginning of April. So I have a whole bunch of events that we're literally locking into place to make sure we get them all in. So it's kind of exciting. It should be a really funny year.
1: And you've got a calendar, I think, on your website, correct?
3: Yes. That's the one thing that's getting updated this week now that we're confirming and locking in event. So yes.
1: Nice. Great. Okay. So you brought up the topic of... Uh, writers choosing to write as a career or as a hobby, which I think is a good topic because you have been on USA bestselling list. So you're a bigger writer than most of the people I talk to. And I think that's wonderful. Um, so where, where, where does that choosing come in? Where, where can you say, I want to be full time if you're just starting? Uh, you know, What advice do you have? What, what thoughts do you have on that?
3: One of the biggest things that I think people have to realize is it is okay not to be a full-time author. and It is okay not to make this a business because if you decided to make it a business, you have to treat it like a business, good, bad, or indifferent. And it's really, really hard because as creative, when I think of writing, think about it in three parts. You have the arts, which where the stories come into play, you have the craft making this into a book, and then you have the business where it comes into selling it and be able to be marketable and thinking about promotions and thinking about reaching your audience. A lot of the times that we see is we have a lot of authors. who are trying to figure out, do I do this? Do I not do this? And we're putting in hobby money and expecting business results. So okay. one of the things, yes. I, one of my TikTok partners says that the best. I was like, never thought about it that way. And one of the things that is really hard, and she, Jamie Dolphin, who's an amazing author, says, and a lot of the times we turn into writing because we love it. It is our passion. It is our escape. Then we turn into money, we monetize it. Then we find ourselves burning out because we have nothing to escape or every day because the things that we were doing for fun and we're doing it for work. So it is being very, very honest with ourselves and saying, what is your definition of success? Would you be happy with five, 10 people reading your book? If you want more than that, what are you willing to do for it? Are you willing to market? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to take classes? Are you going to do ads? What are you going to do to get you to be marketable? not saying competitive, because I don't think authors compete. While there is 8 million books out there, so you're competing for eyeballs, you can make a really good community. You can have a really solid tribe, both of authors and readers who love your books, without feeling that competitive, without feeling salesy. I think that's the issue a lot of authors feel like. I don't want to think of this as a business because I don't feel like I'm selling. I don't want to be that used car salesman. You don't have to do that, but you do have to decide, is this a business? You know, Are you going to be trying to be marketable? Which means you have to think about sales. You have to think about, is your website up to date? Is your Amazon page? Are you going to go wide? Are you going to go Kindle Unlimited? There's a lot of those discussions that you have to be able to do. And here's the part that is hard for a lot of people. I do a lot of coaching from aspiring authors is writing is a very selfish kind of profession. Nobody can do it with you. It's literally just you sitting in front of a computer. Here's the problem. Most people don't take writing seriously. So most of your family, when you like, I can't go out because I'm going to write, they're like, what do you mean you can go out? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Or even more, like, I need five hours to work. Well, you're home. Why can't you do the laundry? Why can't you clean? Why didn't you cook? Why are you not taking care of the kids? Somehow, this is the only profession that we have that people downplay. I was like, you'd be okay if I went to McDonald's for 10 hours but right. I can't sit here and write for 10 hours? Well, when you're home. Why didn't you do these things? I'm like, but you think
1: these ads are going to happen magically? Or with that, it's like, well, you spent last year you wrote a book and put it out, and we we're not living in a million dollar home, so it obviously isn't worth it. And I and I always think, but wait a minute, I know people that go to a job year after year after year and they struggle to keep up with bills. So what's the difference? I mean, at least this is an enjoyable. And I think People also, like you said, if you have a good career and job, you can do this as a side thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a full-time $100,000 a year to be a successful career and make you happy. I got a friend that a couple years ago changed careers to drive truck. And so he leaves usually Sunday afternoon and comes back Friday morning. And he has every evening with like three or four hours, he just sits in his truck watching TV. And I think- Dude, if you would write for one of those hours, you would get a book every couple months done because you have five days a week, nobody bugging you, and you have to be off the road. You can't be doing something else. Yep. You know, so uh, it's just I, I think again, like we said earlier, people hear the advice uh, and or they feel like they got to be a full time author, or they have to make a hundred thousand, or they, you know. But think about it: if you just sold uh, one or two books a month and you had enough money to pay for Scribner to pay for the advertising. Well, now it's a fun hobby and you can enjoy your life with doing it. And sometimes it is more fun than other stuff.
3: <laughs> it's one of those things, it's a lot of the getting the pressure of ourselves and giving ourselves grace to be in this space and to know, okay, what are you willing to do? Like, why is it a, a business for me and not somebody else? A lot of it's probably because my mind works a little different. You know, I'm very much into, I like having, the swags that goes with and i like having the book box that goes with and i'm now open up an etsy account so i have an etsy shop that you can buy merchandise for that you have nice. that's something that i enjoy the control i enjoy the disability i enjoy running a small business but i also realize my time is very very limited so a lot of the people in my life i'm going when do we see you It's was like you know i'll be at this event do you want to come and visit they're like no right. it's like well. Well have well, dinner. <laughs>
1: be careful with that. because I invited my cousin. I, I mentioned, hey, I'm gonna be at the library at this author event. You guys all stop in. Well, they took it to mean uh, he needs support. So let's go and hang out with him for three hours and sit there. And I and I wanted to talk to the other authors and you know, and, and, and they like monopolized my time, which I was happy they were so willing to support me, but it was like, Great, you're here, you, you made me feel good, you you bought a book so I could sign it. Great away <laughs> you know i'll see you later <laughs> go visit
3: other authors there's a whole bunch of them it will be okay Yes.
1: yeah yeah so uh i also work a lot with kids and this falls along that lines i think we need to do a little more storytelling in school having kids learn it more mm-hmm. and practice it more uh, because writing can be a career a side hustle uh something they can do their whole lives and be happy about it. There's a lot of people that have a 40-year career as a lawyer. And then you, they say, oh, yeah, I, I've published eight books also. What? You know, it's because it's a fun hobby. It lo- allows me to relax and enjoy the fantasy or whatever it is. And so I think kids need to realize that they can do this right from the start, from an early age. Because honestly, the best way to learn to write is to write more. <laughs> and, and, and be honest about your writing.
3: It's one of the things that gives them a creative outlet that is very, very healthy, that is very balanced, and then they can express themselves. You know, a lot of the things that comes with middle grade as well as the adult books is it comes with so much energy and they have so many emotions and so much passion. and what better to express it than a kid at that age. And sometimes the hardest part for them is writing the fun, fi- finding the right words to say everything they want. But once they find themselves yes. into a book and they start writing, is amazing the things that they can come up with and how well they do it, which I'm always blown away.
1: Yes. Yeah. Kids, because they they haven't been told you have to do this or you have to do that. And I, I've talked to a few teachers, worked with a few groups of kids, and I'm like, look, we're going to work on story. We're going to write and stuff. I don't care what you misspell. I don't care what the grammar is. That's all stuff we can fix. And that's stuff you're going to be learning in school anyway. <laughs> What we want now is to worry about your story and making it alive and vibrant and exciting for people to read. Uh, and that's where I like to focus. So, okay, let me ask you this. What would you say going the other way? You know, we've talked about it doesn't have to be a full-time career. It can be a fun hobby. What would you tell people that say, well, uh, I do want to write. I want to make it a career. I want to become a USA bestseller. I want to be able to have enough money to quit my job. What, what advice and would you tell them?
3: this is the part that they have to make some really important decisions at the beginning is A, do you have a budget? And how much are you willing to expend? You know I mean, that's one of the things I was in a panel last week and one of the authors says, most authors who are writing don't make $4,500 a year. And I was like, ooh, that's such a scary thought. But are you going to go traditional? You know, Do you want to have a publisher take care of everything? Or are you going to go indie? And if you're going indie, you have to realize you got to pay for everything. So you have to have the money up front. So the decisions is, if you're trying to make it a business, is making sure you understand what is that success means? What are you trying to achieve every year? What is your work? Are you aiming to have how many new readers? Are you working on a newsletter? How are you going to bring people into your works every single time? And I think that's the hardest part about it is because we're living in a world that it doesn't magically happen. It's kind of the interesting part. Back in the days, people fell in love with the books. Then they met the author. Now it's the other way around. They want to get to know you. Are you coming up authentic to them? Are you connecting with them? And then are you selling them? There is a whole science to the art of selling that sometimes we take for granted. So sometimes if you're trying to make that business decisions, you have to realize it's going to take you a few years. It's not going to happen like every business in this country. But also what is is success means to you? You have to know that from the beginning. I hear a lot of people say, I'll be happy if I sell one book. I was like, so if I buy your book, will you be happy? said, that's not what I meant. That's- what exactly do <laughs> you mean then like you have to be specific in order to achieve this work because it's not you're just aiming at you know pie dreams you know you're aiming for all these things you have to be able to say this is what i want and work towards that
1: and and be honest with what you want like you just said mm-hmm. uh and and realistic because and i think a lot of the new authors still have that fantasy in their head of oh if i write a book and get it out there It'll be world famous and everyone will love it. And, and I've learned, and I laugh uh, now because I thought this way a little bit, but you say, so who is your book for? Oh, it's for everybody. All right. You obviously are new because no author that's been writing for a while ever says it's for everybody because they understand it's really not. So you need to be realistic about it. And I also tell people uh, that they need to worry more about the fun of writing then worrying about, because I, I, I've seen authors at these conventions asking, you know, panels of authors and stuff. It's like, so uh, do you recommend we publish on this? Do you say we should advertise with this? And when you talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, I haven't even started my book yet. Well, why are you worried about how you're going to publish it? If you haven't even <clears throat> started, do you, do you, did you outline it? Do you know who your characters are? Because that's way more important right now than what you're going to... The publishing part, you can actually screw that up several times in different ways and still be successful and figure it out. But you screw the writing up and you're not, and it doesn't matter what you do with the publishing. So that that's what I, I've tried to, you know, get others to understand. And again, my problem is I am not a, Oh, look, I've got 20 books out. I've been on the USA best selling list. I've been on USA today, whatever. And on Oprah, you know, I am not that person. So it's hard for me to say, this is what you should do and for people to listen. So I love when (laughs) I'm talking to an author that is a full-time author and has been on that and is saying kind of the same thing. So uh, there you go, folks. Listen to DC. (laughs) It
3: becomes a very understanding of who you are and what you want. What we see a lot, and I know I have a lot of my peers who also say it is, sometimes our dreams don't match the amount of work we want to put into it. Because it's going to take work, you know, whether you decided to do a Kickstarter or you're going to do a book funnel campaign, whatever you're going to do, it takes work and yeah. it takes having tough skin. Everybody's not going to like your books. But here's the reality. Do we like every book we read? We don't. We don't like every genre we read. Well, it makes us think that everybody's going to like it. But it's also understanding who is our audience. You said it really well. Who do you want to read your books? Who are you targeting for? I know very well that my target audience is usually going to be, you know, females between the ages of 25 to about 45, who enjoy urban fantasy, who enjoy quirky characters, you know. Can it be broader than that? Absolutely. But usually that's what you're looking for. Who is that demographic? Why? Because it's going to help if you're going to be running ads. It's going to help if you're going to be marketing at different organizations. But you have to be very comfortable knowing everybody's not going to like it. Right. Everybody's not going to be your tribe and what is it that success means to you
1: and i think uh, when you when people are like oh but i feel slimy if i advertise and i'm pushing it and well maybe it's because you haven't defined who you're talking to about mm-hmm. your book maybe it's because you really do feel like that used car salesman that no matter who comes in i'm going to sell them this car you know and and if you feel that way maybe you need to define because if you write a picture book and you know it's a great picture book for 5 year olds or 7 year olds whatever if you're talking to a five or seven-year-old, you're like, oh, look at the bunny. And oh, look, he's got a sad face. And you don't have a problem pushing it and selling it because you're not in that sales mode. You're talking about the book. But if you got a 12-year-old, you're going to have to you know, really push it to get a 12-year-old to buy a picture book. And, and maybe that's the mindset to think of, that if you have the right demographics and the right tribe, you're not selling it so much as sharing it with them. And you're doing those readers a disservice if your book is really good and they really would enjoy it, it's a disservice not to get them to read it and understand it. It's a different mindset, I think.
3: Once you change the way you're looking at the marketing side or the business side of the, the process that we have, it changes how you treat it. Because here's the thing is nobody ever complains when McDonald's puts on your app, right? Nobody ever complains when Hobby Lobby sends you an email about their sales. Then why right. as creators, we get upset. It's like, oh my God, I can't send a newsletter saying that I have a sale. i like, I get emails every day from coach. I'm never mad when they tell me they have a person sale. I'm never upset about it. Why? Because right. I'm expecting you to sell me things. Right. So we change the way, you know, as a writer, people expect you to send them words. We write for a living. Why are we mad when we send a newsletter telling them about our days? So right. you write, change your mindset, change the way you're looking at it, and then understand and be very comfortable with, are you willing to do the work? If you're not, then stay as a hobby and enjoy it. At the end of the day, right. I don't think we should be suffering authors. You should just be fun and enjoyable.
1: And I would honestly bet if somebody said, oh, I just want to do this as a hobby, I am going to publish it, and put it on Kindle, I'm going to do this, uh-huh. but they, they're more interested in making sure the book is fun and they enjoy writing it and all of that. I bet they would do way more success in sales and all that than somebody that's only focused on getting done so they can sell it and make money. That relaxed attitude comes through in the book, comes through in the sales that you do and talking to people and all that. It's it, again a mindset thing, I believe.
3: Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Yes.
1: All right. So, DC, uh, I appreciate you taking so much time talking to me today. It's been great fun. Uh, hopefully, maybe I can catch up with you at a con or something somewhere. Yes. Um, Before we go, uh, I asked you about, you know, what would you tell people uh, to read your book? What would you, what would be some last minute advice you would give new authors? Truly
3: to enjoy the writing process, to understand who they are, to be authentic with themselves and to give themselves the grace to learn and be new at this job. And if you treat it as you're new every day, every day you're going to learn something and every day you're going to enjoy it more and more.
1: Nice. Great. Love it. All right. Well, thank you for being on and talking with us today. Uh, And I will let you know when this goes live and we hope to see some more good stuff from you.
3: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing day.
1: You too. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of discovered wordsmiths, please support the author, go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast. So I can keep the hosting and all the software I use. And Uh, Keep it running for more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the uh, podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use. So I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out. Discover more authors to read.
0: Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe, sometime in the near future, it might be you.